Hey everyone, this is John from the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. I'm excited to be sharing this SHRM 18 special edition where my co-host Wendy interviewed Lewis Lessig. This was originally for a blog Wendy wrote, but after we listened to the conversation, we thought it was definitely worth sharing in the podcast. Lewis is a partner with Brown & Connery LLP, and his practice concentrates in labor and employment counseling, litigation, and training. Lewis is a frequent speaker across the country, and he'll be speaking at SHRM 18 on three different occasions. First is his FLSA Jeopardy conversation Monday, June 18th at 7 a.m., then the ADA Jeopardy session on the Smart Stage Tuesday at 12.40, and finally, Understanding Cybersecurity, the new role of HR in protecting your organization, also on the Smart Stage Wednesday morning at 1025. Wendy had some gremlins going on in her air conditioning at the office, so you may hear a few odd noises now and again, but it won't take away from the conversation. We know you're going to really enjoy it. So again, thanks for listening. Enjoy. We'll see you in Chicago this summer. Just give you my background. Most of my HR background is in recruiting, and lately I've been doing more with uh, more of a generalist now, so FMLA and ADA and FLSA and all of the acronyms are falling under me now. <laughs> Uh, and so it's, it's been, um, I've been doing this about five years. And so it's been good to learn and grow and doing research and trying to work with the central HR department on how to support my department fully. So the more I learn, um, I think it makes me a better, a better professional. So we will jump in now that you know my history and just tell me a little bit about your um, experience, your history, how you got yeah. in doing what you're doing. So the short version is that my, actually my undergrad is in HR. Okay. Uh, and then my senior year of college, I had an internship at Lehigh Valley Hospital, which at the time was the largest non-union employer in the Valley. The generalist that I interned with said, so he says to me, do you want to do benefits your whole life? I'm like, not really. He's like, well, then go to law school for the love of God, which is why I went to law school, which turned out to be very good advice. I did some insurance stuff for a little while and then ended up here. It's ironic because I was actually a student member of SHRM when I was an undergrad at Muhlenberg. I've got all sorts of different exposure. And since then, I mean, I've been doing stuff in this area for more than 20 years. So, I, when we talk with, kid, with kids these days, oh, age myself there. I feel like, oh, yeah, 20 years mm -hmm. is. No, I'm about there with you. <laughs> and, you know, you blink, you're like, where did that go? Right. <laughs> so I, it, it's crazy. But, you know, the nice part is there's never a dull moment. I mean, you never have to worry that I, I usually have a to-do list. I usually get to it by four, maybe. <laughs> because there's always some crazy. I've got a client right now, which reminds me after this call I got to deal with, who they will call from the car. They have their own level of crazy. And it just, they literally try to figure out something that will stump me, that will force me to go research. And, and that's why it was funny. When I got your list of questions, I started laughing because I'm thinking, this is like my whole world. Yeah. And, you know, the anachronyms are very funny, but, you know, we can both share the fact that when you're in a role where you end up having a, or a requirement where you're getting continuing ed, whether it's in law, whether it's for our SHRM certs, whatever, you're almost forced to pay more attention. And you're in an environment actually that allows, that's much more supportive of that than others. Mm -hmm. Although it cracks me up because so many times I'll go in, I was just in uh, New Bern, North Carolina for a client. 
doing some training and outside of all the jokes I could make about it, I'm sitting there and I realized as I'm about to stand up and talk to all these folks, these are the people that we joke about at conferences because they're very good at their job. They understand how to make what they make. They wouldn't know the acronym FMLA from FLSA and how it interacts and who cares. And meanwhile, I'm like Mr. Passion. You know, it's something out of um, uh, what is it, Tommy Boy, you know, where um, Farley was there with everybody and he's talking about his sale and it's the little, it's the role. Oh, yes. And about how, and you know, it's going great. And then I just figure out a way to screw it up. And, and that whole level of passion, like that's sort of what I bring to the table. Because I can't stand being in those sessions or the dinner meetings where we get credit and you sit there and it's that speaker that lays an egg. Oh, and, yes. You know, you're like, just please, God, give me the certificate and shoot me because I just can't do this. <laughs> so everything I do is revolving around how do I take what is otherwise dry, boring, and mundane, written by a bunch of people that should never see the light of day, let alone ever see a client, <laughs> and make it interesting. That's sort of where I come from. That's well, and it's, it's, if you get into it, it's fascinating. Just if you can get the history of where it started and how we got to where we are. Yeah, it can be dull and dry and all of that, but I, I was helping lead our SHRM certification class here and I was digging into it and I was like, all right, NLRA, that's where all the good cases are and all the great case law. And they like mentioned two and I'm like, no, there's more. Where's all the fun cases of the unions and the busting and and what and the list of hey, you know, there's this laundry list of things that you shouldn't do if you want to be, you know, or you should do if you want to be charged with unfair labor practice. So, like, none of that was there. Um, so I said, you know, just go watch The Office, um, watch Michael Scott, and do the opposite. So there, you, you know. <laughs> yep. Well, and there's a great. We actually did we use that? There's a clip from the, the like a workplace harassment whole line, if you look it up on YouTube, that we've used in certain trainings for some clients because it goes through this whole, oh, I'm sorry, you know, you got to stop what you're doing during the day because him over here has got to talk about workplace harassment and we're going to be dull and boring. Now. Oh, yeah. And the funny part was I hadn't seen that. It was one of my associates that found it. I'm like, all right, well, that's funny, but we're all lawyers, so now we have to figure out how we get the rights to use it. But that's yeah. a whole uh, well, I, my husband does uh, a video for a living. He was in um, TV journalism for many years. So I always just go to him and say, can I use this? And he cuts it down so that it's short enough I can use it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was the idea. It's good to know somebody who knows what, what needs to be done. One of the things I'm looking forward to at SHRM is sitting in on more of the the TED Talk, the, the shorter ones. I'm, I'm getting... A very short attention span and I'm not looking forward to the 75 minute session. <laughs> I like the smart stage because it's quick. It pops yep. um, on. If you look me up on YouTube, you can find last year, year before sort of the way I do the format for Jeopardy on the smart stage which okay. is different than 75 minutes. So 7 a.m. on Monday morning, you know, you want to be there because everybody's going to want to be there because I've got a mega session. So it's going to be me, you, and 1,500 of our closest friends, and I'm going to spend everything I can, all my time on social media between now and uh, June, whatever it is, to the 19th, whatever. Anyway, to pack that room, because before the opening keynote for Monday at, at annual, this will be unquestionably the most engaging, fun opportunity for folks to learn about the FLSA, because 
in this room of you know up to 1500 of our closest friends mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about all these things related to the FLSA where if you can't tell I'm slightly passionate about this crazy <laughs> so the whole idea is I wanted to find a way to engage folks rather than what happens when I go to my own CLA which is you sit in a room they give you a book the book has all the cases listed with all the citations no one cares and well unless I need it for a client in which case I appreciate the fact that it's written right. there but you don't want so like, right? Right. I'm an adult. I can read. For our full Jeopardy game, here's what we do. We go, first of all, there's a whole lead in, right? And then I explain to people, this is very simple. You're going to learn something. I know. It's rough. You came to the conference. You're paying all the money. You're going to learn something. We're going to be, there aren't, and I will answer your question before you ask. There are no buzzers. I'm sorry. But. Perhaps you can do it now, though. Yeah, but we're going old school. Okay. Because imagine, okay. You have a room of 1,500 people. The room is split in half. You have usually, now, I, I will show some of the kid side of me, right? Hmm. You have Mickey and Donald. So if Mickey and Donald are competing, and you presume that at least a third of the room is totally type A and completely into it, how am I supposed to pick which Yahoo's going to answer the question? So that's why we go old school. And I know it's very foreign, right? Kind of like the telephone on our desks. No one right. uses you raise your hand. And now the challenge for me is I got to be able to see them. That's a logistical challenge I figure out. But why? Because it's Jeopardy. There are fabulous prizes. There are always fabulous prizes. <laughs> so if you've never seen 1,500 of your closest HR friends get into it over not even knowing what the fabulous prize is, that, they're, that half the room's going to get, they're all like, oh my God, let's go. And then of course, 7 a.m. So like you and I, they're sort of only partially into their coffee. But because it's 7 a.m., I've already been up probably since 4.30, so I'm rippling and ready to go. You know, so it's, it's hilarious to me, all these introverts, that when there are fabulous prizes involved and it's a game show format, all of a sudden they care. And not a little bit either. And then, of course, there's that one last little instruction I give people, which is very simple. You've probably heard it 50 million times. It's probably ingrained in your head. You didn't even know it was there. You have to answer in the form of a question or you don't get credit. Right. And it's so funny because at some point someone will mess it up and you know people <laughs> on the other side of the room will call them on it, yeah. which is great. That's so awesome. <laughs> that's the format on, in the full version, which will be the, that Monday for FLSA. Mm -hmm. That's what we'll be doing. To that regard, it's um, not one, not two, but five categories. Nice. Plus Final Jeopardy. Uh, winning team, uh, does, like I said, fabulous prizes. The idea is to find a fun and engaging way to think through some of the challenges. And, you know, whether we're talking about the FLSA or we're talking about the ADA, I think that so much of it is incredibly fact-specific and people don't get it. And the problem is, it's not people like you and I. It's the frontline managers that only call us after they've done something. And so what happens is they get pissed. Well, how come I've got to pay overtime? Or why, why do I have to accommodate them? Like, I shouldn't have to. They annoy me. And so there's this, there's this learning curve that we, there's a delta we haven't quite found together. You know, my thought and hope in the FLSA context is to do a couple things. Remind people about things they should probably already know and, and may already know but aren't thinking about to bring it to the forefront. Little things like, I get that you pay somebody $45,000 a year, but H&R doesn't care that you pay them $45,000 a year. They care how do you pay them every seven days, unless you're in you know, one of those exceptions. But generally speaking, people don't think about it that way, but they do if there's 100 points involved. Because they're a fabulous product. Listen, I'm not beyond bribing people to think. Whatever works. Hey, bribes uh, work. I, I've said that. That's how I get people to my meeting. 
We bring pizza, we bring breakfast pizza and people will show up. I'm totally with you. So that's sort of, the, and the idea there, you know, it's I try and pick out on the case side of these things, things that are impactful, whatever's relevant. You know, the idea is the most uh, current cases, whatever regulations or issues are going on, because outside of the fun, I am trying to hope that people will learn. Of course, when we think about this, not every year we go through this for sure. I can't give you the slides in advance because then you'll know the answer. You know, normally what I do is I will give folks some of the cases and some of the other like pieces. Never, hey, here's the deck. So usually the deck is somewhere else if, if folks want it in a PDF or whatever, but not available until after the fact. Now, when we go to do the ADA one, which is going to be on the smart stage in your 17 minutes and 59 seconds, because I always like to give people time back. Rue and I usually kibitz a little beforehand, but it's all good. There, it's an abbreviated version because I've tried to figure out how it works. And some of this is, as a speaker, you try and figure out how to work the room. Smart stage is the most unruly place <laughs> on the planet. There's a side of my mind that takes me back to like high school drama. And I think maybe this is what it was like for Shakespeare. People don't totally pay attention. You mm -hmm. sort of walk around, you're waving to people in the bookstore like, hey, can you hear me? It's all a little nutty, but it's one category still with Final Jeopardy. Many clients are no fabulous prizes there, I'm sorry. Because I, I don't know who's there, but we'll see. Um, maybe I'll change it this year. <laughs> I only have 18 minutes. Right, you can't drag it out. <laughs> but so for that, it tends to be much more specific, much more, I still run it in the same kind of format. And so what'll happen is I still give similar instructions, but then it's think about the answer, then I provide you with the answer, explain it, and then move on to the next one. And you know, the FLSA stuff is a little bit more clear than the ADA <laughs> stuff. It depends. Well, it's easier for me when I go and talk to folks and say, listen, you want to understand where I play in my work life. 70% of every organization's annual budget, at least, is wrapped up in salaries and benefits. And that's where I live. So if you're worried about the bottom line and what's coming out of the bottom line, then you have to care about what I do. That's, you know, whether we're talking about FLSA issues and you know, how things work and what went well, or we're talking about how are we reasonably accommodating somebody and what do we actually have to do versus can I just take them up back and beat the living bejesus out of them? Sometimes that's the better move. It all depends. And, you know, it's funny because I don't think I've ever done this before, but I'm not talking once, not talking twice, I'm talking three times. I do a smart stage Wednesday morning, but right like 1030-ish, so right before it sort of wraps up. Uh, on understanding cybersecurity and the new role of HR. It's, you know, it's the same idea, right? Because mm -hmm. when I look at it, I'm trying to deliver, particularly in the FLSA and ADA area, stuff that I, I try to bring what's new. And the challenge for me is always, I love the fact that no two talks I do in these areas are the same, because it can't be. And then at the same time, no two areas are the same, so you can't, like the deck can't be in the can now. It doesn't work that way, <laughs> which usually means that Within like the next week or so, my life gets really hectic trying to prep all this stuff. I'm telling you, it's all going to be bad from my perspective, trying to get everybody to realize that there's a reason to get on the bus before 7 a.m. to come in and hang out with me, you know, before the opening keynote. So that's always amusing to me because there are always people that will look at me and say, look, I really want to hear you speak, but I'm so not getting up. Uh, well, I will be there. I'm an early riser. Um, I'll, I'll plan to be there. I, again, it's, it's learning about this stuff and trying to honestly, you know, have intelligent conversations with other people about why we need to do what we do. And the more I learn about it, the better I can explain it to my supervisors. Cause I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in a department with 
you know, custodial and electrical staff. And they, we can't talk to them in legalese. We have to make it understandable for them. I tell them that all the time. You guys got to tell talk to me like, like I'm a five-year-old because I don't understand your engineering project stuff. Well, it's funny you mention that because I just settled the contract with the CWA for one of my clients and it's a, a unit of custodian. And when I sat down with them, they asked for something that I had not had before, which was, listen, we get this whole FMLA thing and state leave related to it and all, but our members are not all highly educated to understand what you're suggesting. Can we come up with something that we can then put in the contract so they can look at the contract, find explanation? I've never had anybody ask. So I put something together and it was funny. They had the somebody from the international with me as well as the local president. And she said to me, you know, I really appreciate how you took to put this together because it completely makes sense and it'll be helpful for the member. Now, parenthetically, I wrote it out so that they can't grieve what's there for <laughs> information. But I think you're right. And, you know, you, one of the questions you would ask me was around the ADA and, you know, what have we learned, that whole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think unlike the FLSA, the biggest challenge that people like you and I have around the ADA is this notion that every fact pattern is unique. And there are probably more fact patterns than the crazy employees that you have. So if we don't teach our folks anything more than, look, you have to pay attention and you got to understand that you actually have to listen, take copious notes and allow the time for interaction. Funny to me that the seminal case on reasonable accommodation thing is out of Pennsylvania. It's actually out of a public school district because you would think they'd get it more than a private employer. And they clearly didn't. But when we go forward and we try and figure out, well, how do we better educate folks? I think it's a challenge for folks like you and I. And that it's why I like dealing with these areas. And primarily a lot of the talks end up being FLSA, ADA, FMLA. Pick your acronym, I got something. But even more specifically in the ADA, I think when we think about when we were kids, you ever remember nut allergy? No. Ever remember a whole lot of people taking drugs for ADHD? No. No. This is the problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't, when I think back to when I first started practicing, never had a time where we ever sent an employee for mental health fitness for duty. I had a half a dozen on my desk. It's a real life problem that we're dealing with. But when we think about the ADA, like this is the challenge. As we cure diseases and we figure out ways to deal with stuff, there's always something new. There's always some new level of crazy that we're trying to figure out. That's, that's the real issue here. What we're really trying to do is not manage to a test like the SAT or LSAT or trying to be more, I think, like the, I can't believe say this, more like the testing you're doing for one of the SHRM certs in that we're trying to think on our feet through a fact pattern. There are certain times where there are similarities. It depends on what we're dealing with. Are we dealing with, you know, a, a virtual workforce or are we dealing with a, a gig economy or the impact that technology has on, on students and how they can interact? and how that impacts what a professor can or can't do. It's different today than it was. And so we're, we're trying to get folks to understand that in a new and unique way. Now, I'll be very candid in 17 minutes and 59 seconds. It's a little crazy, but <laughs> I can highlight some of the major things that are going on. One of the, the top 10 cases I talked about at Sherm last year was a case out of the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. And you're probably saying to yourself, I'm going to have to go to who cares. Here's why you care. First case in the first court in the country to allow for somebody to claim they are going through transition. As they're doing that, they're protected under the ADA. They've never tried that before. 
the judge actually didn't throw the case out. Now, the crazy part is that case settled 45 days ago, which is both good and bad for us because what we really wanted was, well, is it really covered in the ADA or not? If We're it's not yet, don't know. <laughs> right? Which is not good. We sort of, we can all see the trends. At one point, I had put together this graphic, and it's sort of salary, benefits, and culture, and where they intersect. That's really where I live. It's never enough to say, how much are you paying somebody? It's more than that. It's, this is the salary range we have for this particular title, right? If we're going to pay a custodian $35,000 a year, I got to pay a professor, and the range starts at 35, let's say maybe it's 35 to six, technically, because they're professionals, they got to make more. So, okay, well, if the low end for the custodian is 35, where do I put the professor? Right. Where do I put the associate professor? And everybody doesn't talk. And then they turn to you and say, well, why can't you figure this out? You know, I don't understand why don't, why doesn't everybody get it? And the truth is we need to engage in this conversation. We need to sit down and figure out. And that was the one, you know, some of the positives that came out before Judge in Texas was so kind to put the kibosh and everything. Uh, you know, it forced everybody to engage in these conversations that we hadn't engaged in since our great grandparents made the original job description mm-hmm. for some of these positions. You know, when I looked at some of this stuff, I would literally turn to clients and say, okay, I know you went on to the Bureau of Labor Statistics website and you found custodians that had 150 different possible things on it. Now that we have computers, highlighted it, went over to your job description template dropped it in and posted it. And the problem is of those 150 things, your folks do six, but you're trying to get rid of somebody for 149, but you don't do 149. You've never done 149. This is where I look at, I'm like, oh my God, I get that in a bad economic time, the first thing that goes is training, except training is how we get through all this craziness. You know, whether we talk about harassment training that I'm doing a lot of these days all over the country, or <laughs> talking about leave issues or wage and hour stuff. It's not that we forget this stuff. It's that we're bombarded with so much that we weren't, I mean, I can say this with you, that the internet didn't exist when we were kids. We didn't have to worry about a filter to stop the crazy. Here we look at it and say, listen, we we need to figure out the filter. We have to understand at the end of the day, the only thing everybody cares about is, can I pay my bills? Can I take care of my family? And I have a slide that was taken at a family event of my youngest son, who at the time I think was four, in one of these zip ties. <laughs> color is the tie that I had on. And so I'm kneeling down and, and I usually put up this slide and I say, you know, this is why we care. And in fact, I was at a library, literally for the library doing their training. I walked in and it was on leave. And I turned to the folks and said, listen, if you're trying to figure out why we even care about this stuff, it's simple. My wife's five months pregnant with my oldest son. A friend of mine calls, who happens to be my dermatologist, and says, listen, you've got melanoma. We're not sure how bad it is. You need to go in for surgery. Go see the surgeon. The first thought that pops into my head is not, I need FMLA leave. The first thing that pops into my head is, am I going to be alive to see my unborn child? And that's the last thought I have when I go out in surgery. Clearly, that worked out. But when I go down to HR and I'm saying, here's what's going on, and I need them to understand, I got to give them the FMLA paperwork, or how does this understand you know, how are we paying him? As an individual, I don't care. Right. I'm about like everything else. And so that's sort of where that culture piece comes in because we look at the, the wage and hour side of stuff and I, I think to myself, okay, we figured out what we can do about the job descriptions and we started having conversations around where should the salary bands be because you know what happened. We never bothered. We started the organization 50,000 years ago and we have the same structure from then because why would we bother to change? It would cost us money to do that. And then we figured out, oh, you know what? Maybe we should actually develop our people. 
What a novel idea. You know, in that sense, it was great. But then we turn around, it's like, well, wait a second. Why did it take this long to even have this conversation? Duh, we should have been looking at the job descriptions. I mean, there are little things, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure at any given time, particularly in your custodial ranks, the folks that go out are not going out because, uh, oh, I have a headache. They get hurt on the job. Then you start to think, well, okay, does my custodial job description include stuff like, here's what I need for lifting and carrying and all that kind of stuff. It's amazing to me how many custodial job descriptions don't have that. Because what happens is people go out and then you want to be able to say, well, here are the essential functions of the job that include a physical component you need to be able to do. We never have those conversations. I'm not really sure why. The other side of it is, have you ever been in a situation where, happened to me, you're told, we have this whole group of hourly employees. Oh, I'm sorry. We have this whole group of salaried employees. We want you to go because we don't want to do it. We want you to go in. We're going to close the door. We'll serve them, to coin one from your repertoire, we'll serve them pizza. And during lunchtime, you'll explain to them that they're going to go from their cushy salary gig to being an hourly employee. I did this as a young attorney. And you know, the reality is you walk in there and they close the door. I did hear the click of the lock. I'm realizing I am the only schmo in a suit sitting here having this conversation with 25 employees that don't know why I'm here. But I'm the only guy in a suit, and they're all in scrubs. And I'm going to tell them now, hi, we love what you're doing for us. But guess what? You're no longer salaried. You're hourly. Isn't this great? And that's some of the better discussions that take place in this world. So, <laughs> you know, when, when I think about it, the FLSA to me is so much more than do we properly pay overtime. It's how are we dealing with our people? When we sit down to try and figure out good, bad, or indifferent, how are we explaining Right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what we're finding, what I found at least is you and I are in a situation where we have to be able to go to that person who doesn't know what we know, even though we're in this sherm bubble of 285,000 of our closest friends. We get it, but everybody else doesn't get it. So we're trying to explain to folks, look, here's why we need to regularly take a look at job description. This is why we need to be serious about salary compression and what does it mean? And there may just be a line where we look at it and say, Let's presume at the end of the year, we do in fact get new regs for overtime. If there's an escalator in there and you're a small employer, you're going to be worried mm-hmm. because there's no way to gauge if the escalator is attached to say some urban CPI, whatever, you don't have an increase in clients. How do you pay for that? Government doesn't care. So the hope is that we've done enough talking through Sherman and the SBA and everything else that they don't do that. You know, the practical side of what we're looking at. And then, you know, it, it's this whole thought process of we don't want to ignore issues, just sort of ignore individuals and say, you know what, we're just not going to worry about it. But wait, there's more. Because it pays part of our culture and we know that. Why don't we just own it? Why don't we just tell folks, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be thoughtful and think about how we're going to explain it to our people. We're going to go through it and get that we're trying to take care of our most important asset, which are our people, which is why I do all this craziness, which is why all those years ago, my former mentor who said, go to law school, that's why it all makes sense. <laughs> be like, okay, look, you know, all right, so we had this individual who thought it was okay to work two jobs and 80 hours a week, and we never paid him overtime, and isn't this great? That's okay, because that's why I have a job. Yeah, I pulled up a job description the other day that hadn't been touched since like 86. We, we need to be looking at these. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's, it's so easy to fall into the, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later. And one of the things I'm trying to do is push that into our regular evaluation process. 
so that when when you do an evaluation with the employee, which I'm requiring them to sit down with their employees quarterly and say, how you doing? They must love you. At first they were like, hmm, that's so much work. And then they sit down, had to sit down at the end of the year and do the new evaluation form, which is really long. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm the smartest person in the room because I should have listened to you. I'm like, oh, I, I told you. And I'm, I'm guilty of it too, of, of not you know, waiting to the last minute to do that stuff. So I don't always listen to my own advice. But it was, you know, guys, you need to review the form and are these duties, are, is this what employees are doing? Because some of these haven't really changed in the five years that I've been here. And maybe they don't, you know, an electrician's electrician, electrician, that, that might be the case. But our locksmith guys, they're not just do, cutting keys anymore. We've got card swipes and all sorts of different access points that has made their job a lot more complex. And we need to evaluate those and we need to look at those and we need, you know, maybe they're going to need a bump in pay. And we had to be willing to take that up to the Board of Regents to discuss how are we going to pay these guys? Because it's not just doing what they do at Lowe's by cutting keys. They're doing more than that. And it costs a little bit more than a buck. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I was just at Bed Bath & Beyond, and they literally have a machine. You just pop the key in, and it pops yeah. out a spare. So Yeah, I mean, it's that key part is not complex, but, you know, we get to a point where somebody high up loses a key, and suddenly we got to rekey an entire building. That's mm-hmm. not cheap. And, you know, at that point, start – and. You know, they're looking at doing card swipes in, in the individual dorm rooms. So they're more like, you know, hotel, hotel type rooms, which that would actually save my guys a lot because they wouldn't have to come in in the middle of the night when a student locks himself out of their room. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. We're living in a different world and with FLSA and, and ADA and all of those. If we're not keeping up, we're falling so far behind so fast. We have to engage in those conversations. Is I, I was writing that down. Like that's that's what I'm getting from you here. Is we need to engage in the conversations and talk with our people and higher ups and get us all on the same page. Well, because you know what happens, right? Someone will come to you and say, uh, clearly they're not a custodial type person, but let's say they're uh, some kind of white collar job, and they'll say, well, I have to be able to telecommute, and you like them, and so you say, sure, no problem. And nobody thinks through, well, what does that look like? How do I evaluate them? How do right. I know? They're not watching Jeopardy instead of you know, doing what we're paying them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they'll turn and say, well, oh, I'm sorry. You never told me. And then when you take an action against them and they come back at you, everyone says, well, how come we didn't do that? Well, because we didn't take the time up front to think through it. And so even though we're going to be throwing stuff at each other and yelling and screaming, and say, hey, because you know the number one complaint, right? I talk too much. But really, the number one complaint is, you didn't see my hand. You were arbitrarily only looking here. Are you kidding? Like, did they honestly? I've literally had evaluations where you're only looking on one side of the room. <laughs> that's not what I'm doing. But if that's the only thing you take away from the day, God bless. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the funny part for me is, as I mentioned before, because all this stuff changes so quickly, some of it is just little tidbits, right? Mm-hmm. And I always, I look at whether I'm on the smart stage whether I'm on a mega session stage or training offsite for a client, it's all the same stuff, right? If I can teach you one thing that you didn't know before, then it was worth the time. Right. And if I'm getting up at 7 a.m. and you're at least excited about it before you're done and you're ripping ready to go for that 8.30 opening session, 
I've done my job. Exactly. Awesome. I'm so excited for your session. Me too.